Well, if you can't tell, I'm a graduate of the Mark MSX School of Japanese Pronunciation. <laughs> Do you have your diploma? <laughs> I, I have my certificate. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> Shoot the core, cast. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is a family-friendly shmup-themed podcast that isn't hungry for souls, but wouldn't say no if they were on the menu. I'm Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups, and with me as always, I have... Metal Fro, also known as Game Boy Guru. And if you'd like to connect with the podcast, you can check us out on Twitter at ShootCoreCast. You can also follow me directly at Game Boy Guru. Uh, go to our Linktree page to find all the feeds where you can listen to the show. That is linktr.ee slash shootthecorecast. Also make sure you join generation, uh, rfgeneration.com and join in a Shmup Club playthrough. Uh, you can also subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your preferred platform. Also join the RF Generation Discord channel and check out our dedicated Shoot the Core cast topic. And please follow me on Twitch as well so that you can get notifications of new streams as I do stream the Shmup Club game of the month multiple times during the month. Uh, that is twitch.tv slash guru gameboy. Alright, and speaking of game of the month, we have our question of the month for October 2021. And it is, if you could make a shooting game or STG better by changing one thing, what game would you choose and how would you change it? Our first response comes to us at, from at Chris B. Chips. like that name. Gradius 3 Arcade. Tone down the difficulty at least a little bit. This game just, it's plain cruel during some sections. Yeah, I think that section is probably stage 2 onward. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's, yeah, it's definitely a hard game and something that's going to require a lot of practice. Thankfully, these days we can get it from Arcade Archives and put in virtual quarters and stuff, actual quarters. Yeah. Uh, at Fun1CC, didn't offer a game, but just a couple of general suggestions. No more checkpoints. No more suicide strategies. Yeah, with, with with the game, it could get a little bit troublesome when your best way to deal with them. It, 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 it's sort of neat to do that to reduce rank and um, battle Garega and stuff like that. But but it could become sort of troublesome when when it does involve skill and it gets to the point of just knowing that you have to do a certain thing somewhere. I I, I always found that maybe a little bit unfair. And plays a little bit into the uh, really, really old arcade mentality. Stuff that you know, with Tower of Draga. Well, <laughs> it's a secret to everyone, including the, the designers. You just randomly uh. try stuff until it works. 
So our, our next comment comes to us from Faux Macho, one that's very general and applies to the genre. Two, if that is, I have one life showing, and when I take a hit, then that will be my last life not getting game over. Shikondo is guilty of this. At Need New Shorts says, Task Force Campus. One of the coolest looking shooters with fun mechanics I've ever played. But I can just barely beat the first boss, even on easy mode. Gradual ramp up of difficulty, such as something like Habroxia, with more or better power-ups and upgrades, or longer life or stronger, would have ruled. You know, I think we should start a GoFundMe, so that way he can change it to has new shorts. <laughs> All right, our next comment comes to us from Ed Hauser. Ginga Force, adding arcade mode. Oh, that would be a great one. Yeah, Hauser always repping the uh, cute shmups. All right, at you old so-and-so says, add twin bee bells to our type. That's an interesting suggestion. Uh, I don't know that I've ever considered that. Or even if you were to take twin bee, just make a our type cute up. It would be interesting in itself. Our, our parody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything's just got googly eyes now. <laughs> uh, that would be hilarious. Yeah, be, that wouldn't be, uh, that'd be rarefied. Not, not, uh, parody. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just or, or you could make a, or you could make a, um, you know, take take the game into uh, the distant past and and do it with pirate ship and stuff and make it R type. Oh jeez! All right, well we got the dad joke in for today. So, <laughs> all right, uh, moving on here. Add pony tassigen, tone down the rank and make it less jank. Hey, that's a good chant. Tone down the rank. Make it less jank. It's <laughs> probably the best word for me to call it. More, less rank. Less jank. Oh, there's a cry in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I think that rank can definitely be a little bit overbearing on there. And Battle Grego, as fun as it was, with, just by like pressing the start button, you're already increasing your rank. It, it, some of that stuff goes a little bit overboard, but hey, you know. Uh, sometimes it wonder if there's a, sh some, a sign out there that says sometimes does Ibarra hate me or is it just me oh yeah yeah there, there are definitely some very aggressive games out there for sure so what about you what would you say would be your your pick Honestly, I would at least try. My pick would be to bring as many possible STGs to the Switch. I, I think that even if they were just digital, that having the variety out there would be wonderful. I love everything I'm seeing with all the cave games getting imported on here and all of the uh, Handstar Arcade archives and soon to be console archives being brought over. I just would like to see more of the genre being brought on. I would love to have the switch light is one handheld like you just bring with me and have access to all of these wonderful games 
Yeah, I'm going to be lazy and just completely echo Chris B. Chips and say Gradius Arcade, or the Gradius 3 Arcade is too brutal and needs to be toned down. I think, I think if you look at the game and looking at it a bit more uh, beyond the episode, because it's been a, a long while since we did an episode about the game, but I think now looking at it and sort of comparing it to Gradius 2 and Gradius 4 and the other games that kind of came around, uh, came out around that time, I think Gradius 3 was probably a little undercooked. And I think if they could have, if they could have spent a little bit more time refining the difficulty and make it a more natural difficulty curve, it, it would have definitely benefited the game. Obviously, they were trying to make money and make it more challenging. They thought this was going to be the last game, so they kind of wanted to go out with a bang. But um, instead, what they ended up doing was going out with a punch to the face to most of the players who weren't up to the challenge. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go with that because realistically, that is... That's where I'm at as well. You know, it sort of reminds me of that quote from the infamous quote from Don Matrick, where he said, "You know, it, you don't, you don't want always online. You don't want all these features, or, or you want to play offline. Well, we've got something for those people too. It's called an Xbox 360. Sort of re- echoes those statements there. You don't want to play Gradius Arcade. It's too hard for you. Well, we got something for that. It's called Gradius 3 for the Super Famicom. That's true, and I." Certainly, I would rather play that version. I, I think most people would on there. I mean, even with the SA1 chip, which is where a lot of the slow down, it seems to be the preferred version. Well, thank you, everyone who participated and uh, answered our question of the month this this month. I, I kind of put it out there a little bit late in the cycle, so I apologize we didn't get as many responses, but... Uh, I still think we got some some good feedback. And speaking of good feedback, we got good feedback from our participants for this month. They were Metal Fro, Addicted, Volmacho, B Dot Reality, Reticulon, Mobichan, Random Retro, and Corkman. Thank you all. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into the game here. Um, we played Shikando Soul Eater, and this is from a, I guess I would call it a doujin studio, called Deer Farm. And I did a little bit of research, and by did a little bit of research, I mean exactly that. There's not much information about them on the web. Uh, I did find an old blog website of theirs that kind of details some stuff uh, of some of their older games and stuff leading up to the release of Shikondo. But since Shikondo came out, other than a couple of updates that were on there about the, the physical releases and stuff like that, it's kind of been dark. Um, so I'll just share a few details that I found. Uh, they started out in 2009 uh, as, a, according to their blog, a team of four two graphic designers, a musician, and a programmer. Uh, And I did not find names. Uh, 
Chicago Soul Eater appeared on Steam Greenlight in April of 2016 and then released October of 2017 on Steam. Uh, it got a digital release June 21st, 2018 on uh, PS4 by East Asia Soft. And then a week later, the uh, physical version pre-orders opened for both PS4 and Switch. Uh, I don't, rem I don't, I didn't find a release date for the Switch version right offhand. That was handled by Digirati and a company called Do or Do Games. Uh, it did also get a release on the Xbox One and Xbox platform. Uh, that physical version was handled by East Asia Soft and distributed through Play Asia. A couple of other Deer Farm games that I found included one called Love Busters and Over the Horizon Unit Festival, which I think are related because if you watch the footage for those, they look like they're basically the same game, um, you know, with just some slight differences. Uh, so I think it's probably just two games using the same basic engine, but they're both uh, side-scrolling, 16 by 9 shooting games, and uh, Love Busters in particular looked like it had a, uh, or excuse me, Over the Horizon uh, looked like it had a sort of a team aspect to it, where you could uh, play with one, two, or three characters and possibly control them all at the same time. Uh, it, it wasn't very clear. They also did a rhythm puzzle game called Prison Pang. And from what I found on their blog, actually, their second game was a Toho fan game. Uh, based on the translation, I, I couldn't tell if it was the Toho fairy tale or Toho paintings. Um, again, it wasn't very clear from the basic translation, but it was a Toho fan game. I also found that Shikando 2 is in development, uh, according to uh, some information on their Twitter and an IGN, IGN uh, Japan article, but it's actually going to be a side-scrolling action platformer, and it looks like it has fast action, um, but similar mechanics like the Soul Collect are still going to be a part of that. Uh, so that'll be interesting, but it definitely has the same kind of art style and everything. Almost seems similar to the um, Bit Runner, or it was a Bit Trip series, right? Where each game had a different play style, but they were all um, artistic, for the most part, artistically tied together, right? Right. Shikanda <clears throat> uh, was built around Asian mythology, with various mythical monsters being the bosses, and then other mythical creatures uh, as stage enemies. Uh, also, in 2020, uh, Deer Farm released an updated version of the game called Shikando Red Purgatory on the EXA Arcadia uh, system. And as far as I know, that is the most recent thing that they have done. Yeah, the EXA, uh, EX Arcadia system seems to be the place to go for majority of this stuff. It, it's really interesting to see this system flourish. They had a uh, gimmick on there they had another one which right. we did uh, Vitria oh right Vitria Hexa yep it's just so many of these different titles on there it really would be interesting to see if these eventually get ported yeah and it's it's interesting because from what I've been able to find it seems like a majority of 
the Exa Arcadia games are shmups. So that's kind of cool and kind of interesting. Actually, it may be easier to find than a PlayStation 5. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it started to come uh, it started to come our direction. I know there have at least been a few uh, locations in the U.S. that now have Exa Arcadia systems. Um, round one, right? I've seen on t- at least one location of round one has one, and I'm hoping that uh, that we start to see more of those. Yeah, same here. I mean, the closest round one from here is at least half an hour away, but still, would definitely go and check it out. Oh, half an hour. That's uh, that's a big drive. I've got about two and a half hours to drive to get to the closest one to me. It, it, I, Galloping Ghost is is closer than it is to get to round one. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and given the two, I would probably go to Galloping Ghost, of course. But you know. True. Actually, no, I take that back. I think that DJ Psycho's Arcade is probably closer. But Yeah. But I, <laughs> there you go. I, I hear I have to pay have to pay the, pay the master chunks and bits and treats in order to get in there, so that may be a bit expensive. Oh yeah, well just as as long as you bring the cheesy craze crunch, you're you're all right. All right. All right. Moving on here to the gameplay for Shikondo. The game has two characters and. There's not a lot difference in there, but uh, I think once we go over there, you'll see which character most people gravitated towards. We have the first character is a Grim Reaper, or uh, Shinigami. She's a woman with a wide shot that narrows during focus. Her soul mode lasts a little bit longer than the other character, and... I've tried using this character for the majority of the time, but I think, as with most people, they, they went with the second character, the, as long as a girl, because the the wide shot isn't that much wider than the girl. It just gives you, like, two little dots at the end of it. It's almost as if playing as the Grim Reaper is the harder mode or harder difficulty mode. Because you can... Right. Yeah. And, and to give better context to that, the girl is a well, she, she's a narrowed standard shot, but her homing option she has homing options. So instead of the, the last the two on the left, the extra shot on the left and the right, her options just mo just automatically go to it. And with a lot of the stuff that you get later on with the bosses, you're going to need that homing because you're not you're not going to be straight down below. It, 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 with this type of stuff, it almost feels like this game suffers from some of the same issues that Demonizer did, where you've got so many bullets flying around you, and if you don't have the extra options to take stuff out, you're stuck just trying stuck beneath, directly beneath the boss, which is nowhere where you want to be, and leads to death more often than not. I, I would ima- imagine that the majority of the people playing chose a girl as, as their character. How about you? Did you start out with the re- Reaper and then went with the girl? or? Yeah, I started out with Grim Reaper and then tried the girl and 
mostly stuck with with her the rest of the month. I did go back to Grim Reaper just a little bit, um, but yeah, I I almost exclusively played with the girl. And the game itself uses a three button system: one button to shoot and you hold for rapid fire, one bo button to focus and to slow down your movement, and one button to engage soul collect or as a bomb maneuver to clear the screen. It's basically, those of you familiar with Crimson Clover and so like that, it basically is a bullet cancel when you do the soul collect. It changes all of the on screen bullets into points and then it collects them. And then you, you get a little bit harder bullet patterns for a little bit until the meter runs out and then you end up c collecting bullets again. And in order to fill up that soul meter or the bullet time meter, you need to engage the focus shot and then get as close to the shot as you can in order to fill up a circle. It's, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of the Crimson Clover, where you pretty much like always be breaking. It's sort of the same way. It's like always be grazing and get as much as you can of that meter filled up so that way you can you know, get the big juicy cancels. It's <laughs> Mark Lustus loves to say, but it, it, there's not a lot to the system. But but it definitely there's nothing that I would say uh, really needs to be added as far as mechanics on here. It's simple, but it works. Right. If a player collects has soul collect bombs, you can engage a soul collect a second time while active to clear the screen again and gather souls at a higher rate for a larger score bonus. Yeah, it's yeah in reality for the most part you're just going to be holding on as you're de de filling up your meter and then when you come across one of those bullet sponge enemies or a mid boss or a boss then you're going to unleash it uh, unleashing it for the popcorn type enemies just doesn't really do much for your point bonus is it they die so quickly just from your standard shot you want to saturate the field with bullets before you can act activate uh, soul collector or bullet time now once souls are collected your gauge depletes if you are not shooting so the number of souls you end up with at the end of stage will be significantly reduced if you're not constantly shooting yeah it's for the most part this game has a good steady rhythm and, and I rarely found myself just sitting in one place and or holding down the fire button and rather than lives, the game has a hit system. You start with four hits. Hits can be recharged after defeating a boss, or you can choose to add another soul collect bomb. Sorry, soul collect bomb. Yeah, most of the time I just went with extra hits. I was say, I think that the having the live system definitely made the game easier. And what you normally get out of, let's say, either a cave game or a uh, rising game. But I didn't find at any point that the game that I thought it uh, detrimented the game. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was it was nice to have the life system instead of or the the hit system instead of straight up lives because then you're not dealing with checkpoints or with. Um, respawns and things like that it's just you take a hit your your rhythm gets uh 
gets interrupted for a little bit, and if you're in the middle of Soul Collect or what have you, it just sort of knocks you out of that. Um, but it uh, so that it the pace of the game and the rhythm doesn't get too terribly interrupted. And one of the points that I want to bring up here, now we've gotten at least some of the basics out here, is one of their previous games we had mentioned was a Toho fan game. And this game really feels like it grew out of their project. Like they wanted to do it with their own IP. It feels a little bit more like an evolution in some parts. Uh, they want, In other parts, it feels really tied to those ideals. In to- Toho games, at least the ones that I have played, stays to a very tried and true pattern. Where, where with caves, I think at one point you were telling me it deals more with geometric patterns and the easily perceivable to the eye, where a lot of these patterns can go all sorts of different directions. And it's all about micro dodging as you make your way skillfully across the playfield. And I mean, you see that a lot with the Toho type stuff, and they're especially with like the third boss, and especially on the fourth and fifth boss, you get some sort of really crazy patterns. I know DJ Psycho, I mentioned that at one of the streams. He says, "What's with all these these crazy bullets going on? There are bullets that were going up, there are bullets that were going down. It was more you had your typical pinwheel that you would get, and we saw used in um, Assault Shell." that a lot of games like to do now. I know even Cave did a couple of that stuff, That like on stage two of Ketsui, the emboss there. It's, but you, you, get, you get a lot more diversity in this. And uh, no, it, the, the game itself feels like it, it's, it, it's fine. It's, it's a good game. But you can see that it's very rough around the edges. It needs to doesn't have that, you know, that polish. And I think in doing the calling it a doujin game, that that's probably right. It's not quite up to the caliber that you would get out of one of the higher tier developers. Or there maybe if M2 had a chance to work with it, they could add in some stuff. You see some of the ideas in there. I mean, they were smart enough to put in a boss rush, so that allows you to go back and practice against everything without having to go through all the stages. I, I don't, but at the same time, having the ability to do replays or something like that into add in, in there would be a nice thing. It needs some quality of life features, and it needs to get some of its rough edges narrowed about. I. Yeah. I know we'll get into this a little bit more with the graphics, but there were some parts where the the scrolling of the background just seems sort of bland and didn't seem to jar as well, or to to uh, flow as well with the sprites that were on screen. Getting a little bit of a jarring effect. I mean, the, those of you who have <laughs> lived through the the uh, early two thousands and have uh, seen that weird Quiznos commercial with the rats. Where they sing "We Love Your Subs," we'll get an idea of what type of jarring animation we're talking about. Where something just seems odd and it's not quite there. And I, I think that you sort of get that with with some of the Saturn games too. Like when the things were a little bit early and they were going away from sprite-based games into that sort of early 3D era. Get that you just you sort of get that a little bit of the 
quirkiness where not everything lines up, not everything's as smooth. It's, <laughs> it's certainly an interesting choice. Aesthetic right. choice on here. And uh, I, I know as we go into people's thoughts on here, there'll be a little bit more to that. What What is your take on, on the gameplay as a whole? Um. Hmm. Well... I think it was solid. I mean, you know, there are a number of there are a number of shooters that kind of combine grazing with uh, Don Maku style patterns and things like that. So I mean, you know, it's not and it's not all that much different from a lot of other games in that respect. But I do think that there's I don't know, it's kind of hard to put my finger on it. I think you're right in that there's definitely some Toho DNA in there somewhere. Um, and with the way that the patterns are different from how you would you you get a lot of of this kind of bullet hell style game, it does feel a bit different and it I found it a little bit harder to adapt to, I guess. And maybe that's because I just haven't really dove into the whole Toho world yet. Uh, and that's, you know, that's on me, but um, I've I've been focusing on other things. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the weird patterns and stuff really struck me. I've been playing a lot of Imperishable Night and some of the patterns in there are the new one, which... I don't know why, but I keep on call it incessant pudding. It's not that it's it's like a, a endless caravan or something like that, or and irreproachable marketeers or something like that. Oh yes, unconnected marketeers. Yes, R random English words here. So <laughs> yeah, I mean a lot of that stuff I, I see in there. And don't get me wrong, I like Toho game. I think they're fun, and I do like playing them. But it's uh, they, they don't, at least to me, they don't seem as refined as something you would find in a cave game where, where you have to get, have to, can be able to easily adjust it with your eyes and, and it makes it, you know why you died. And I, I, th I think that's the difference. The Toho patterns are like, oh cool, I just made it through this entire mess and I was able to survive. Look how cool I am doing it. And it really teaches you great fundamentals. And that's why a lot of people who start with Toho begin become really good with Cave. But I, I think with Cave stuff, if you were to die, you know why you died. Like, oh, I, I messed up and I could have, I went left when I should have went right. It's a lot easier to see. And I, I know that you had some frustrations where you said, I, I don't understand what, the, what, bolt, what this bolt pattern wanted me to do. The directions were not clear enough. And right. I, I think think if if the point is where if you can't identify after playing a little bit what the heck you're supposed to do in a game, then the game is not doing a good enough job of visually leading you what you should be doing. And and I think that's the failure of the game, not of the player. That's a good way to put it. So uh, now that we've talked a little about the gameplay. 
Now let's talk a little bit about the stages. There are five stages in total, each with a unique boss based upon Asian mythology, Korean, Chinese, and Japanese. This, oh geez, now I gotta pronounce this one. The stage one boss <laughs> is... Uh, I think it's Shingi Wanyo. Shingi Wanyo? Yeah, a woman who floats and shoots at you. Who has separated body parts in phase two. And this is what we're talking about when it sort of gets into the what we'll call the Quiznos effect. <laughs> right. It, it it seems a little weird here where like parts of the body seem to be rendered better than the others, but uh, that's all right. Yeah, and I can't remember I can't remember the name of the puppets, but we we talked about this on one of my streams where the the bosses their animation style has this specific kind of look to it where you've got these puppets that people make where all the different they're made out of paper and the different pieces and parts have either sticks or strings or something that you can pull on to sort of move the arms or things like that and that was kind of how the boss animation appeared as if each limb or each segment of the body was different and sort of being pulled on a string and in kind of static movements. And it's sort of an interesting look that sort of, I, I think, matched well with the the graphical style, the aesthetic, and, and sort of the, we'll get into the graphics later, but kind of the general, you're flying over a sort of painted background kind of look and feel. Um, and so it, they all kind of have that odd movement to them um just a quick note the stage one and two bosses uh i got the names directly from the developer because it was an inter in an interview that that they did the other names uh i'm guessing based on a little bit of research i did sounds good to me uh, much better than the names i'm sure i could have come up with <laughs> all right the stage two boss is chen Wei. A woman who was partially eaten by a tiger, but she became a parasite in the tiger's mouth. That sounds like the name of an anime. That people, uh, some of the stuff is just being so long on this stuff. You know, it could just be called, you know, Iseki, uh, Iseki, uh, Iseki Anime 2. A woman who was partially eaten by a tiger, but she became a parasite in the tiger's mouth. Huh. She can only escape by helping the tiger hunt down those she knew in life. That sounds like that would be sort of a neat uh, STG there. Revenge story. <laughs> Revenge of the Tiger Woman. Yeah. And the stage two boss is what earned the uh, the game a uh, <laughs> a partial nudity in the um, uh, you know, in the rating because it's it's like the woman's torso hanging out f upside down from the tiger's mouth. And so she's hanging out and her head is down toward the ground and her hair is, is kind of dragging on the ground and her arms are down as if they were sort of like the front legs of the tiger. Um, but yeah, she has no clothes, so... Uh, people were warning me about streaming the game on Twitch, and I'm like, well, yeah, but people stream God of War, so this, you know, I could probably get away with this. And it's a little less obvious because the 
design is such that it's not uh, that overt, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, there's... I'm trying to word this in a way that is... Uh, <laughs> Well, you, you weren't streaming BMX XX, so I think you're okay. True. But yeah, I mean, the design makes it obvious that... It, it was a little... It's risque, but it's not over the top. Right. That's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and then stage three boss is Jean Gumeau. Oh, wow, that sounds like a bad French accent. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Judo Gomo. Ah, that's better. Or Judo Gumeau. It's a Spider Woman. That sounds that sounds bad. That sounds like a um. Sorry, I know, I know I'm sort of making fun of this, so I won't cut this out here. But Jiro Gomo, this sounds like you just remind me of that um, the 1978 Japanese Spider Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, was it Spider Man? Where Spider Man uh, like got his his special abilities from his father, who was an alien. They completely changed all the storyline around, and he had to go avenging his father's death. Oh, <sighs> I mean, it is Joe Gamo, or how I became a teenage Spider Woman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stage three boss is Joe Gamo, uh, Spider Woman, and this is where the game starts pulling. Uh, uh, stops pulling punches on you and starts getting really tricky, especially with the f the third and fourth phases where the bullets will go up and the bullets will go down and they start moving around in all sorts of different directions. It, it's not too bad to get through the pattern, but it, it, it the game is the stages one and two are relatively pretty easy. This is where the game says, "Nope, we're done," and starts moving on. The you know. It, I think stage three bosses, um, there's a term for this, isn't it called cave hard? Something like that. Yeah, and, and this this is where I, I start to get stuck and where I started to, ha to actually uh, start paying attention and me memorizing patterns and stuff. Uh, same for you? Uh, yeah, the stage three boss definitely requires more memorization than uh, the previous two. And certainly, um, you know, you're you're not gonna get you're not gonna get through that boss fight on just dodging and instinct alone. Yeah, you gotta have heart. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So the stage four boss is a multiple armed woman, possibly uh, Marcia. Huh. Yeah, I think it's Marishiten. Marishiten. Ah, Marishiten. Yeah, there's when I was looking it up, there's several mythologies, uh, Asian mythologies, of a multiple armed person, a man or a woman, and I think the the base mythology is uh, Indian uh, or Buddhist mythology of of uh, Marisi. And so there's a, a few different variants, but I think it's based on the uh, Marishiten, the kind of Japanese-rooted uh, Japanese -rooted version of that uh, mythos. Well, if you can't tell, I'm a graduate of the Mark MSX School of Japanese Pronunciation. <laughs> Do you have your diploma? <laughs> I, I have my certificate. Uh, there you go. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so it, it, she, it, she's playing a um, baglama. Is that close enough pronunciation? Which it looks like a it looks like a mandolin. Yeah, to that. It, 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 I think it's a baglama. Uh, for uh, for initially, I thought it was a shamisen, but those generally look different, and they're more squarish in terms of the the base body design. And they usually only have two or three strings, uh, and so this was a little bit different. The the, the re- one of the reasons I thought it might have been a shamisen right away is because of the um, the deal that she uses to uh, to actually pick the instrument, which is instead of like a guitar pick, it's a much larger thing that almost looks like an ice scraper uh, called a uh, uh, tsugaru. Or something similar, like uh, like a bachi, and so that's one of the reasons why I why I initially thought it might have been a variation of the shamisen, but um, a baglama was the closest thing that I could come up with in terms of the type of instrument that she plays. And this boss here is where the game starts suddenly going. You need to know the mechanics. You need to be able to break. You need to be able to micro dodge. You need to be able to do everything. Is you won't survive without, and you got to know the patterns as well. Oh yeah, stage four boss. I I reached a point where I went in where, at the at the very beginning of the stage four boss, that first pattern that it throws out uh, is difficult enough to dodge through. That uh, it sort of does this thing where it it shoots out these rings of bullets, and then. The rings stop, and then they split off into more rings of smaller bullets, and then it does it again. And then the last time, they sort of scatter out in various directions. And that's the part that I have not learned how to dodge yet, so I always have to basically bomb that part. (laughs) Because I don't have the... I haven't built up the skill level in order to deal with that. Yeah, it, it was definitely hard, but I've got to say the next boss, the stage five boss, was one that pulls pulls no punches whatsoever, and you really have to know what the heck you're doing. And that boss is Rokuro Kubi, yeah. a woman with a... Did I get that right? Uh, Roku Rokubi. Oh, roughly. Well, shoot. You, you can blame my sensei, Mark. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> She's a woman with a long neck that can move around like a snake, and the patterns that come from this are, yeah, ugh, rough. Yeah, uh, that's another one where a couple of the patterns are are easy enough to kind of weave through, and if you can build up enough enough gauge, then you can activate. Uh, soul collect at the right time to avoid a couple of those things but again with the stage five boss the first pattern is is bad <laughs> it's just really difficult and of course if you can get the right rhythm down i found that if you can bomb the first pattern and then graze enough to then activate soul collect at the right point then when it goes around and is going to repeat that first pattern, you'll be coming out of Soul Collect and basically just cancel that pattern uh, and repeat the cycle until you get to phase two. But yeah, it's it's tough. 
Yep, and after that, both characters join up and we get a nice credits scene and that's it. Yep, one loop and you're done. Well, I mean, it's nice that they uh, added multiple modes to that. And speaking of which, we have the arcade mode, which is the normal game, uh, game mode. The boss rush, which you fight only bosses, earn one additional life or so, and soul bomb after each successful encounter. Novice or beginner mode. I didn't try this mode. I'm not sure if it comes with a, a regular set of stages because I know you could choose your difficulty in the arcade mode. Yeah, I need to go back and, and mess with novice mode, but I, I didn't give it a try during the month because I, I felt like if I did, I would probably stay there <laughs> until I got a clear and then go to normal mode and be frustrated. And so I decided, no, I'm going to push through and I'm going to stick with the normal arcade mode. Then we have uh, uh, Contra Hardcore. One life, no continues, but the soul gauge charges twice as fast. Customize, a customizable model that lets you change some base game options and local co-op. I haven't tried the local co-op or the customize. The customize looks sort of might be sort of fun. Yeah, I messed with customize once, but uh, I didn't. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just kind of messing with it. That's exactly how I play fighting games. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it, most people are going to be playing for the arcade mode on there. The local co-op it could be sort of nice there. But, I, I, yeah, most people are going to just be playing either the boss rush or the arcade mode. Most likely the arcade mode. So, we spoke earlier in the arcade mode, there are several difficulties. The first one being easy, which you obtain a 1,000 times bonus at the start at stage and for all souls collecting lives in stock. Normal, obtain a 2,500 bonus for souls and collected in lives in stock. Hard, obtain a 5,000 bonus for souls collected in lives in stock. And extreme, obtain a 8,500 bonus. Uh, yeah, I played a little bit on hard and didn't find it as difficult as I would originally thought. I didn't try extreme. What did you play on? Mostly normal? Yeah, I I didn't stray from normal. Uh, I do know that uh, in the interview that I read with the developer, that early feedback from some playtesters was that the game was actually too hard. So they scaled it back a little bit, and the game's original hard mode is what became extreme. Oh, wow. I found that the hard mode, at least in the first couple of stages, was pretty manageable. Once you got to, like, stage three, though, a eh, different story. Sure. All right, wait. So, one thing that I did notice on here, I'm sure you did too, is that there's no score-based extends. Yeah, or I don't know if there are score-based extends. I certainly didn't encounter any, and... No one mentioned it in the thread, and we had at least two people that got a score of two billion or or more. So, if there are score-based extends, they might just be much much larger. You got to roll the score counter, and then you get your extend. Yeah, counter stop. All right. Any more any more uh, input on the gameplay? 
Oh yeah. After after each stage, uh, you can choose a reward. So you can either choose to get a soul bomb or uh, refill your life. And I think if your life is full, then uh, you you'll get an extra hit. I think that's how that works. Good to know. So let's move on and talk a little bit about the graphics. We kind of already touched on this, um, but I thought the the graphic design, generally speaking, was quite striking, and uh, the initial impression was good in that the title screen was really nice, and the sort of layout that the game gives you is really pretty. Um, the background that scrolls uh, looks like a painting, and like I said, it looks like you're sort of flying over these painted locations. There was someone on the Schmups forum who described the look of the game as Toho meets Vanillaware um, in a kind of an early thread about the game. And that's not too far off the mark. Obviously, the characters don't quite have that Vanillaware flair, but it, it does kind of have a little bit of that sensibility to it. Um... The color palette throughout the game is kind of muted in some ways, uh, except for some of the bullets that the bosses throw out. They can be a little bit brighter and uh, you know more colorful, which is actually a good thing, generally speaking. Uh, some of the enemy bullets can be hard to see, though, because one of the things, from a graphical standpoint, is your shots actually take priority, um, which is a bad thing. So there are times when enemy bullets are coming in and you won't see them because your bullets are overlapping them. Uh, so that's a yeah. bit of a problem. I didn't run into that with them. I mean, not that. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. Even if that occurred, it didn't be, become a problem for my playthroughs. I don't know if that's because I was I was playing on the PC and I've got a 32-inch TV. I have hooked up to it and it's fairly close so it makes being able to see everything pretty easy for me and that may be partially why it seems that more people have problems with the switch port than anything else were you playing on ps4 right did you have problems with that well i actually played all three versions i started on the pc and i played the first uh probably week and a half or so on the pc version then i switched to ps4 and i stuck with that for Again, about a week and a half. And then the last stream that I did, uh, last little bit, was on the Switch version. I will say the Switch version has a similar problem to the Switch version of Raiden 4, or excuse me, of Raiden 5, um, where, for whatever reason, some of the colors are changed between, uh, you know, in a couple of spots. One example is... Uh, I want to say it's one of the later phases of the stage one boss where it shoots out these two fans of these sort of arrow bullets. And then there are other bullets that come down from the top of the screen. And usually they're all kind of blue and white. But for whatever reason, in the Switch version, not the fan arrow bullets, but the regular round bullets coming from the top of the screen were changed from the blue and white to something that more easily blends into the background or is a little bit harder to see. I don't know if that was a purposeful choice to make the stage one boss more difficult or if 
it was just a color choice that they made because of something to do with the switch port. I don't know, but I felt like it made the, the stage one boss harder, but not in a good way, uh, because it was a cheap way of making it harder. <laughs> Speaking of cheap ways to make it harder, I keep thinking back to your stream where the game locked on you for. <laughs> Oh, he just yeah. kept saying warning over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I think I want to get into when we get to final thoughts. But, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Overall, graphically speaking, I do think that parts of the game, visually, the enemies are kind of a mixed bag. Uh, some of the enemies have cool designs, but a lot of the standard kind of flying enemies that come in and just shoot one bullet at you or whatever. Uh, they're they're kind of boring. I mean, they're sort of like flying, um, you know, ghost women or whatever. I, I I can't think of what the what you call them, but those are kind of boring. But like some of the some of the other, uh, and I, again, I can't remember the the right name for it, but the demon wheels and some of the other. Um, elements enemies are are you know nice and and have decent designs and stuff but really it's the bosses that are the draw in the game graphically but there's some weirdness like the stage one boss comes in and it's this you know this cute lady who comes in with this cool funky hair and she's all up close to the screen well then after it introduces her then her her image gets really pixelated looking and then goes back to kind of take her position on the screen, almost like sprite scaling, except yeah. it, it, it's not quite that smooth. It looks kind of janky. That's um, a Quiznos effect. Yeah. The Quiznos effect. That's the good way to put it. We need a Quiznos rat shmup. Somebody make that happen. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, there are a few things like that where it feels like if they would have spent just a little bit more time, they could have made that look a little less goofy, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure how it is that they made that effect work, but it, it doesn't seem to be as smooth as kind of the sprite scaling that you get in Neo Geo games and stuff like that. And... Um, yeah, well, I, I think that two of the things that were echoed throughout the month by most people were we need more enemy variety. It seemed to be the same stuff over and over again, repeated. Right. The bosses were the standout, but as far as your standard enemies, they were repeated quite a bit. And then the other part to it was graphics, where certain stuff is just not the same as as the rest of them. Some things look better than the others, and it, it gave the game a little bit of a jarring effect because there wasn't a co as cohesive a graphical um, design as there should have been. And that's one of the rough, a um, little bit rougher parts of that. I didn't run into too many problems with the bullets and detecting where things were. But again, I was playing on a 32-inch TV like right up in front of my face. So it was pretty easy for me to see what the heck was going on. And had I been playing on a 56-inch TV or something like that, you know, six feet away, it would have been a totally different story. Yeah. 
So, and now that we've had a chance to talk about the graphics and the Quiznos effect, let's talk a little bit about the sound. Now, I think you referred to it as dollar store euro shmup. Oh. Euro. <laughs> dollar store euro beat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think that's a pretty good way of putting it, but I have to say stage one and two, I, I could forget an instant, but stage three, I don't know that that's that. That track really gets to me. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I like the music overall. When I first saw the footage of the game and the art style that it was using and the fact that it was based on uh, kind of generalized Asian mythology with different, uh, you know, Chinese, Asian, or Japanese, Korean mythology all kind of crossing over, I was really looking forward to it because I thought if you can do it right and you can marry the aesthetic and the audiovisual uh, kind of presentation, you can really have something that will capture you. And then when I watched the trailer, I got Eurobeat. And the music in the game is more varied than what was in the trailer, but I was hoping for something that was a little bit more atmospheric, something that would incorporate a little bit more traditional uh, Korean, Japanese, Chinese uh, sort of melodies, instrumentation, etc. You know, it would have been cool to hear a shamisen in there, uh, like we kind of mentioned before, or some things like that, where it would really uh, sort of add to the atmosphere and the general mythology that the game was pulling from. Uh, so I think that would have helped with uh, making that more cohesive. Having said that, I do enjoy the soundtrack, though, and I especially like the Phase 2 boss theme and also the final boss theme that gets really intense and is a banger, for sure. Yeah, there are definitely some high notes here, but it's so weird. It comes out of the gate with Eurobeats. It's just... Really, I don't know. It was just so different than what you would normally i mean you you don't you know how you, when you have that sort of the uh you got that kabuki theater type vibes and sound effects oh sure uh, you know yeah so like, you know people who played samurai showdown sort of get the idea of what we're talking about with the some of the sound effects. that's what comes to your mind not this sort of you know, euro techno it, it's just weird weird choice i mean it's not terrible it's definitely not the mosquito scene in your ear. Terrible or anything like that. It's just odd. But at the same time, it's not something that you would immediately hate. It's you know, it's not like you're listening to... They all of a sudden switches to the best of Kenny G or something and you're ready to go you know, drive off into a ditch somewhere or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's... it's you know, it, 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 it it's serviceable. It's serviceable with some with a couple tracks being standouts, right? And so the sound effects aren't too bad. Some of them are well, I should say mo most of them are a little bit low. What they're doing it was sort of interesting to hear that there were when you press the fire button, you, your your own shot doesn't make any noise. Yeah, and. <sighs> In some situations, I would say that is a good thing because there are some games where the shot sound is 
is very annoying but it almost feels like it's like it's too much to just not have something or any sound at all you know when we played um, when we played assault shell last month i felt like you know that that was a well mixed uh sound effect for the shots they weren't obtrusive but they weren't so low in the mix that you couldn't hear them it was there it was present you knew that it was it was feedback that you were doing something you were shooting you were you were accomplishing something but it wasn't so dominant that it was taking away from other sound effects like explosions and things or from the music and in this case it just feels a little odd that there's nothing yeah it's uh, hmm. yeah uh, you know it's sort of weird when it's present it does when it's there you don't think about it but when it's not there then you think about how much incorporated into the design element of a good shmup it really is getting the auditory feedback to the player and letting them know what they are doing and just how important that is yep uh, uh, speaking of auditory feedback some of the voice work such as the first boss's laugh or the screams when you defeat the first phase of each boss are particularly well done yeah uh i don't remember who it was but when i was streaming the game early in the month someone commented that the first boss's laughs were kind of creepy uh, and i thought that was good yeah it, it, it could do or the screams from the first boss as it's coming on stage right it definitely has some good things with the audio again I think the whole the whole thing that's echoing about this is it's a good game it just needs some refinement and smooth out the rough edges and I think that's really hard to do for a four person studio it seems almost like this game needs an editor and I I'm thankful that the um, I almost called him Idol Master. I feel so bad for uh, the creator of Demonizer. Oh, Iori. Iori, thank you. I know it began with an I. Uh, I'm very thankful that he was able to receive constructive criticism and get figure out some of this stuff and get through in order to make a, a better game because it, it's. I think that when it does, when Demonizer does come out on a console, it it has a chance to get a wider audience. And I think that being a one-man team, it's sort of hard to. You're almost in sort of like an echo chamber where everyone's telling you, "Well, this is fine. This is what we get back." And I, I think it's it, it sort of has this effect here. You see what it could have been, and then you see what it is, and it. It just doesn't meet with your expectations, and when you could see what it what it really could become is it, when you think about it, most of the shmups in here either fall into sort of like a military style, like you get with Gradius, or maybe they're a em up on here, or you know the, the things are pretty well defined. It's not like someone does any really any breakout SGs where someone goes, "Oh, that is something new." I mean, the closest that we're coming to right now is with dealing with roguelike elements, right? With Project Starship X. 
But a lot of stuff goes unexplored. People go with a wacky, I guess you get a freedom finger and that type of stuff. But stuff that plays upon different mythologies, especially like Eastern mythology, or there, or even Indian or Hindu mythology, it's quite rare. And I think that it is could be very well done in a SDG and something that would go far. And as you said earlier, you see the potential for this. It it just needs its edges smoothed out so that way it, it's a it's a fine product. And I it, it's just a shame to me because I, I I could think of what could have been. Sure. Well, before we read the game Last Rights, let's talk about the scoring. <laughs> Last Rights? Wow. <laughs> On this episode of Shoot the Corecast, get ready as we bury. <laughs> no. Uh, so, uh, I just made a few notes here uh, based on a couple things that we talked about uh, on the forum and then kind of my observations. Basically, most of your score is going to be is going to come from collecting souls by activating soul mode after charging your meter. And as you noted, a lot of that's going to be in boss fights. Now, soul mode gives you a two times multiplier, and then when you activate the second level soul mode by basically bombing during soul collect, that gives you a four times multiplier. And so, ideally, that is where you're going to get the most. One thing that... Um, that uh, Brando or B. Reality mentioned is that you can milk the box bosses infinitely uh, by grazing, getting a full meter, and then activating Soul Collect with a screen full of bombs. Collect the souls, and then when the meter runs out, it'll do another collection. The problem with that is, as we mentioned earlier, uh, your soul meter. Uh, ticks back down again uh, if you're not shooting. So while you can do that over and over again, the problem is the amount of points you get from doing each of those soul collects is not too substantial. I think he said something in the ten to 20,000 point range for every time you do it. So that requires a lot of milking because if you... If you engage in the game's systems and you graze and you activate Soul Collect at least a couple of times in the first stage, and then, um, and then you know throughout the boss fight in stage one boss fight, you're going to end stage one somewhere in the I'll say 35 to 50 uh, or yeah, well. It's either 35 or 350 million. I don't remember where, but you're going to be scoring a lot of points already by the by the end of the first stage, just by engaging with the game systems. So that kind of point milking seems sort of useless because you have to just do it over and over and over. So, and then obviously the other thing is trying to no miss is also going to be a big benefit because the more lives or hits that you have, the more souls you and the more souls you collect during each stage boss fight, 
or stage and boss fight, then the higher your end stage bonus is going to be based on the multiplier that you have. You know, the uh, thousand uh, for easy, the twenty five hundred for normal, five thousand for hard, and uh, eighty five hundred for extreme. So that's kind of the basic synopsis on scoring. Was there anything else that you noted while playing uh, from a scoring perspective? Not, not really. I mean, it, it seemed pretty rinse and repeat with get close to as many bullets as you can and wait for the screen to fill up with a mid-boss or with the um, little, little, basically anything that was non-popcorn and then fire it off, rinse and repeat. It was pretty standard for scoring. Yeah. All right, well, now that we've covered pretty much the basics of the game, let's move on to everybody's impressions of the game. Our first thoughts come to us from at Reticulon. Normally, I'm inclined to give a game some time and opportunity to grow on me, but there's one issue I'd like to put out here from the get-go. Lag. In particular, Switch lag. I'm willing to overlook a little lag, especially on the Switch, since it gives me a portable and convenient place to play a lot of shmups. And generally good support for Tate games. Present company mahem excluded. However, in a bullet grazer like Shikondo, the lag is frustrating since I am purposely spending time near a lot of bullets. And since letting go of focus shot and returning to normal movement can make me feel even more out of control with the lag. I'm curious what others think about lag on the Switch, in particular what controller they like to use. I like an arcade stick, and I frequently use my 8-bit double arcade stick. It is great with a PC, but with the Switch I often find it seems to add even more lag. My favorite way to play is docked with the Switch, but fairly often, as is the case with Shikondo, I feel like it's the least responsible way to play. Any advice for low latency stick on the Switch? Uh, low latency stick on the Switch. I would avoid anything that's wired, of course, because that definitely adds lag on the Switch. Yeah, and there, and uh, I mentioned in half. the thread that um, that Reticulon should maybe check for a firmware update for whatever stick, uh, whatever 8-bit do stick, because I, I know that I've mentioned before, and I'll continue to say I'm not that sensitive to lag, but... I went and updated the firmware on my Mayflash stick, and I did notice that it did feel a bit more responsive because it, it was specifically they mentioned in uh, Mayflash mentioned in this particular firmware update that it was supposed to help make the the stick more responsive um, with you know consoles and stuff. So that is one thing that I did mention in the thread to Reticulon to maybe give that a try and see if that would help. Yeah, and the the switch wired. I mean, he probably knows this, but the switch wired controllers add a lot more lag or lag to the inputs than having things via Bluetooth. Right. Mobichan says, "I am playing on Switch, but don't perceive any lag. I am using a Pro controller, but would prefer if I had an arcade stick I could use on the Switch." The game is giving me hard Shikigami no Shiro vibes, which isn't really my cup of tea. But I managed about 507 million points for my best run so far, ended at the Spider Boss. 
I wish the music was more exciting and that there were actual stages instead of a scrolling wallpaper behind a bunch of enemy waves. It is a professional presentation, but this isn't really a game I will come back to after the community event is over. But I am glad I got out of my comfort zone for a few weeks. Well, thank you definitely for trying it out, and that's what the Shmup Cup is all about. It's about trying different stuff, even if you don't like it, and you only have to put up with it for a month, because we've got another game coming. Yep. Alright, our next comment to, comes from at Corkman. I am playing this month. I got a late start this month, but I played a fair bit this weekend. I like the art in the game, but I'm not sure about the scrolling backgrounds. I really don't feel like I'm flying. I don't know why, but I like the feeling like I'm flying and I'm going fast and shmup. The art is really cool, and I do find myself admiring the art in the background instead of dodging bullets sometimes. I just played some tonight after work and got to 532 million. I was going to play for survival at first, but this really is a scoring game, so I'll play for score. Besides, I've been into playing for score more between playing Assault Shell and Cotton Reboot. Happy Soul Eating, everyone. I was able to get a few more runs in today after not being able to play for a couple weeks. I got to 660, six, sorry, 661 million, a little better than my previous score. For me, I was interested in this game for the cool art and found some fun in the gameplay for the small amount of time I was able to play. It was good to get some good practice in game with grazing with a grazing mechanic. I had some issues with the orange arrowhead looking bullets blending into the background or the souls you were collecting. Also, the online leaderboards on the Switch version were glitchy. One time the scores didn't display, another time it wouldn't update my online ranking when I got a higher score. It's a pretty average game, not amazing, but not bad either. Good at a low price. And I, I think that I think that's the common theme here. It's not it's not amazing, but it's not bad. And for the price that you get, you can usually find it at on sale. It's Definitely worth checking out, or especially for anyone who's a little bit. <laughs> I know this might be uh, um, interesting word to throw at it, but uh, Toho curious. <laughs> if you're curious on what <laughs> what a what a Toho game uh, entails a little bit down here, and you want to try something without actually trying an actual Toho game, this wouldn't be a bad starting point. Right. Uh, Fo Macho chimed in and said, "I'm chipping away little by little at the game." It seems like I'm progressing to where a lot of you all are, around 500 mil. Seems like that where practice and experience are needed to break through. I'm playing on the Switch. I'm pretty disappointed in this version, besides being extremely bare bones, my high scores are not working. It won't save anything for me, and the tutorial screen before, runs, uh, before it runs seem to state the wrong button for the second phase of the Soul Collect. Anyone else experiencing the lack of high scores on Switch? I will say, I think the scoreboard has to have a Nintendo Switch Online, just like the PS4 version had to have a, a PlayStation Network subscription. There was no local leaderboard. So if you don't have uh, the online service, that may have been why the scoreboard wasn't working for you. Well, too bad you don't have a physical version, right? You can just go to the last page of the manual that says notes and write down your score. Yeah, right. 
Uh, later in the thread, Fomacha said, Solid progress today. Something odd going on with my Switch and this game with both the Pro Controller and handheld where occasionally the inputs don't register. Or worse, the character randomly uh, charges forward. Huh. I understand the game is a lot better, or I understand the game a lot better, and focusing on scoring makes the game more fun. There isn't just a lot of enemy variety otherwise, and perhaps boss rush would be more fun. With that, I get the rhythm it's asking me to play at. Is it that, is it that fourth boss that pretty much has you charge during the first half of a pattern, dodging to the side, then unleashing? There's no other way out. The publisher has a short video explaining some scoring. Uh, soul collect mode equals two times points. Second soul collect mode equals four times points. So basically, I've been grazing bullets in the levels to charge and engage the soul meter as much as possible. I like that mechanic because I've already played Danmaku Unlimited 3 a lot. And for final thoughts, Fomacho said, My final thoughts about this game is that it's a very good concept, but truly just unfinished. With a revision of bug fixes, color changes, and some less, less pixelated assets, on Switch at least, this game could really shine. The Soul Collect mechanic is a bit deeper than it appears on first credits. The fourth and fifth bosses mandate activations at certain points, so the player better have one ready, but there is usually enough wiggle room to quickly charge up and release one. And those patterns are timed so the end of power-up bullet cancel saves you from the pattern once again. To my recollection, there is just one spot at the beginning of the force boss where I need to come in with a full meter, otherwise I will take a hit. One feature we haven't mentioned that I really like is the reward at the end of each level. Choose between soul or life. But what isn't explained is that you have three plus, uh, the one you choose will get one added to your stock. But if you are down to zero, soul only, one or two, it will bring you back to a stock of four. What I really like about this is that you can take a few hits in early levels and not feel the need to restart. Sure, scoring takes a hit because of the end-of-level bonuses are smaller, with less lives remaining, but I've been playing half for score and half for the clear. But also, the levels are too long and boring. There just needs to be more enemy variety. Um, and mentions the high score. I think I got a two-credit clear at some point. I'd really like to get a one-credit clear, but the last two levels are a bit more difficult. Yeah, those last two levels are really what uh, make it the bulk of the difficulty of the game. The, f the first two are pretty easy. The third one is manageable, and the last two are <laughs> pretty darn hard, no matter what difficulty you play it. Yep. All right, our last comment comes to us from at Brandon Reality. So it seems that Shikondo Soul Eater does not have a timeout on its bosses, which is a huge oversight by the devs. You can basically just milk bullets and activate burst mode forever and ever and pad your score for as long as you want to. Pretty lame in my opinion, and I'm not going to do that, but I thought it was something worth mentioning and bringing up in here. Yeah, it's something that we brought up earlier, and thank you for pointing this out. It's something that, yeah, you, you probably get bored of milking the bosses before uh, anything happens if you became good enough, but it's... No, it's sort of like the high-level play where people just, in uh, Mushi, not Mushi, it's, um, no, it is Mushi. I was, I was getting Futari and Mushi mixed up, but it, 
Mushi on the 360, right, where this you can stop the counter. So people were just sort of ma- adding up their own scores afterwards. Oh, yeah, I think that was uh, Futari, where they hit the counter was stop. Was that Futari? I thought that was Mushi. No. Uh, but, it, yeah, it, it's sort of along the li- some lines of that, where you got to make sure that you can keep accurate kind of scoring, especially in a game like this, that where majority of it's built, the mechanics are built around it. Yeah. Well, speaking of scoring, uh, let's just go over the high scores real quick. So our top score was Brando Reality with 2,242,935,140 points. Uh, Faux Macho came in second right at the end of the month uh, and put up a score of 2,128,985,850 points. And then I had third place with 1 billion... 121,659,899 points. So, congrats. Pretty impressive. All right. So, final thoughts here. Why don't you go first? Yeah, for me, this is this is a kind of a story of mismanaged expectations and missed opportunities. Because I played three different versions of the game, uh, I got to kind of see the game in multiple settings. The PC version, when I played it, it performed poorly. Um, The game would freeze up between levels when it was loading, and I had to play it windowed. uh, And so... (laughs) I could see the title bar on the window would say not responding for an extended period of time between levels when it was loading. And then I also had uh, uh, at least one time when the PC version crashed on me and did something weird. The PS4 version... I thought that was the PS4. Well, the PS4 version crashed on me a couple of times. I had one time where, uh, where the game... Like it, it, it crashed in a in a weird way when I was on the way into a boss fight, and it as you said it had the warning screen, and it just sat there flashing warning forever. So I basically had to close the game and restart it. But there was one other time where the game crashed. Yeah, I'm gonna make a bad joke here, but it was telling you to play warning forever. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and the interesting thing about the PS4 version is on disc, you have version 1.0 and there are no patches for the PS4 version at this point. And the physical has been out for two years. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that this is definitive, but in the two years since the game has come out, there has not been a patch released for the PS4 version. My guess is there's not going to be. So manage your expectations when going into the PS4 version to do that. The Switch version is 1.01. I don't think that's what's on the game card. Um, but when I when I inserted the game card into the Switch, I specifically looked for an update. Uh, and I did the same thing on PS4. But I was curious to see if there was a patch for the Switch version. And there was, so I downloaded it. And so the Switch version that I played was 1.01. I don't know if 
the bullet color issue that I had uh, was something that was added with the patch or if that's just the way it was from the get-go. But each version that I played had technical issues. The PC version had a thing where when I would go into a stage, if I would press and hold the focus button before the stage screen fully loaded, it wouldn't register and I would have to let go and press it again in order to make it work. So that was one issue that I had with the PC version. On the PS4 and the Switch version, I don't know if the, PS the PC version is the same, but on the PC PS4 and Switch versions, if you play boss rush mode, and let's say you get to the third boss, and then you die on the third boss, if you do the restart option when that comes up, instead of exit and then go back through the menus to start boss rush again, it doesn't start back with the stage one music, it starts with the stage three music. So you're fighting the stage one boss with the stage three music. That seems like a big oversight and just general glitchiness like that, that I feel like the game feels just a little bit underbaked in terms of, from, from strictly a technical aspect. Now, of course, we're dealing with a Dojin studio. There's one programmer, and I don't know if that programmer um, did all of the versions, you know, if it was just a matter of creating the game in Unity or whatever they did and then exporting out for the different versions of the consoles and things, or if someone else assisted with uh, getting those versions onto those different platforms. But each version has some, some what I would consider significant bugs and quirks. The lack of a local leaderboard is inexcusable in my opinion. Uh, you should not have to rely on an online service for that, particularly when you're buying a physical game on a disc for PlayStation 4 or on a game card for Switch. If you want to use the online leaderboard, that's fine, but it should still have the ability to save those scores locally. So, in my opinion, that's a big problem, because the PS4 version, for me, because I don't have, play, uh, because I don't have the PSN service, the only scores I could get were if I took a picture or snapped a, you know, a capture of the screen at, at when after you die and you get the continue option. That's the only way to capture it. So that's a big problem in my opinion. Uh, because this is obviously a game that you're going to be playing for score, or at least that's the focus of the genre. So all of these things... Plus the fact that, you know, the, the already mentioned issues of the enemy variety being a bit lacking, the stages being a bit lacking. Um, I, I don't think things really ramp up until stage four, where you start to have standard popcorn enemies shooting more than one bullet. You know, when the popcorn enemies start doing spreads of three bullets, that's when it starts to get interesting from a stage perspective. I still don't think it's fantastic. But at least at that point, it feels like, okay, now there's a real challenge being presented to me during the stage. I'm not just getting through the stage to get to the challenge, which is the boss. So I, I feel like stage four probably should have been stage three at a minimum uh, in terms of 
the amount of of additional challenge that they present to you. The the boss rush mode was fine, but it really would have been helpful to be able to do individual boss practice uh, or individual stage practice. So again, all these extra modes that they added are, are nice, but as Mark MSX, I know, has, has harped on this quite a bit, and I'm starting to see more and more value in this, that if your game doesn't have a robust practice mode, particularly one like this that is a Danmaku style and is going to be more focused on a two-tier scoring system with your Soul Collect, you know, you really need to have the ability to go in and practice these levels. Uh, so, all of that said, plus my initial disappointment with the music not really matching the aesthetic that much, it all kind of <clears throat> kind of comes together in what I think is a lot of missed opportunity. Now, I'm going to balance that by saying I still think the game has merit, and I still think it's worth playing. I don't regret purchasing the physical versions of the PS4 and Switch game, and... You know, I'm not, I'm not looking to sell those off now that we've played it. You know, I don't see myself coming back to this game anytime soon, but it might be something that, as I grow and develop more in the genre over time, maybe it's something I'll pick back up again when I feel more confident in, uh, you know, being able to handle some of those more random patterns. Maybe after we get into some Toho games more, and I start to get a better feel for some of those more dense random patterns or seemingly random patterns, maybe that'll help me to learn to read this stuff better. And then some of that stuff in the stage four and five boss fights will start to make more sense. Well, at that point, then it might make me want to come back to this game and take those on. But I do feel like there's enough here to recommend people play it and check it out. But it's, it's a case of good, not great. I, I am curious to hear or to know what what changes they made with the Exa Arcadia Red Purgatory release and if some of the things that we have discussed here and that the participants for the month kind of discussed, if some of that stuff is maybe changes that they made or things that they tweaked to sort of improve upon the game. Um, but realistically, I think, again, this is, a, this is a case of good, not great, and it's something that while I can't wholeheartedly recommend it, I will say it is worth checking out, and if you can pick it up on the cheap, um, then, you know, it's worth a look if you, if you like this kind of game. Yeah, well said. I mean, I think that, I, I, you know, as I was giving it last rights, as you said before <laughs> here, um, I, I, I think this is a story of the little doujin that could have been. There was a lot of potential on here, and it was easy to see why. But I, I think, again, there was, uh, was a lot of missed potential where, with the way that way that it, the final product came out, it, it's not necessarily terrible, but it could certainly be stand to be be, be better. It, it's definitely worth it for those who are Toho curious or those who are 
looking for something different or maybe just to play for a little bit. It's certainly been really cheap on the eShop. And I know I've seen some Steam e sales that's been, uh, sorry, Steam sales, it's been pretty cheap. So I think at most I paid what, maybe $5 at most for the digital Switch copy. I don't, is that about how much you paid? Uh, actually, I had the Switch physical, so I played that. Oh, okay. But it, it, it's relatively frequently on sale for 5 bucks or less. So it shouldn't be that bad of a hit to the wallet for people to give it a try. It, it, it's just don't go in there expect it. The, the trailer makes it seem maybe a little bit more awesome than, than it is with, with the music aside. <laughs> but it's it, it could definitely do with some polishing up of, the, of its rough edges in there. And I certainly hope they get to do that and one day we get to try the EX Arcadia version. I would recommend it for people if they were curious. Try it, but again, I wouldn't... Uh, Grab it on sale, so that way, if you don't like it, then you don't like it, and you're not, you're not out that lot of money. Well said. I try. So, uh, speaking uh, of thoughts here, I've been thinking it's about time we discuss what's coming next, and that would be the uh, used to be very expensive, but now you can get it for retro. Pretty cheaply from Retrobit is R-Type 3 for the Super Nintendo and Game Boy Advance. Yeah, uh, I'm. This is going to be an interesting shift from a Dojin Danmaku to a uh, a, a, cl- a classic entry in a venerable series. I still think it would be better with googly eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then in December, we have something that's sure to get everybody involved. And we tackle Jackal also no, and Top Gunner. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. People say it's hard, but I remember that game being really easy as a kid. Maybe I just played it enough. That uh, could be. Uh, this is... Jackal is one of my go-to NES games, uh, so I'm looking forward to going back to it. It's it's shmup adjacent, but you know we're kind of going casual for December because everybody's busy with families and and the holidays. Everyone's and, attention adjacent in December, <laughs> pretty much. So I figure we'll go with something pretty casual. You know, a lot of people will be familiar with this game. It's very easy to pick up and play. Uh, but I'm also looking forward to checking out Top Gunner, the arcade version. There's not an Arcade Archives release of that yet, but for those willing to check it out, uh, I'm pretty sure it's available in Shmup Arch. Uh, or at it, and then there's a Mr. Archives. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's on Mr. yet or not, but no, is it, it is. Oh. Yeah, it's a Mr. Archives. Okay, cool. So it's on the Mr.? I think it's in Shmup Arch, and I know it's in Mame, so it's it's available to play in uh, in that respect. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to doing some comparison because I've played Jackal for years and years, but I haven't really spent a lot of time with the arcade version. So I'm I'm looking forward to sort of playing and comparing. So we 
uh, would like to say thank you for everyone who joined us for the Shmup of the Month. And hopefully everyone found it, even if they found it wasn't something that they enjoyed, that they had fun at least trying it out. I'd like to thank Ed of Studio Mudprints and Bullet Heaven for the logo. I'd like to thank Kogosu for the intro and outro music. I'd like to thank DJ Psycho M1 for uh, keeping things chunkable. I'd like to thank Metalfro for st- streaming the games with a. Um, Almost looks sort of like a pirate last time when you had one dog on the shoulder there. Yes, I one of my two chihuahuas loves to perch on my shoulder. I don't know why. It's very cute, but it's occasionally distracting. <laughs> well, at least you know it's not like when Chunks goes and Chunks the cat goes inside the arcade cabinet and starts starts to start munching on wires during stream. That's true. Uh, I don't have that problem. Mine mine are pretty good about not chewing wires. Nope. <laughs> well, uh, one last thing I would like to thank everybody from the RF Generation Playcast and Collector Cast, and uh, hopefully all, all all this talk about souls has made them interested in trying something other than Dark Souls. <laughs> Oh, yes. All right. Anything else we need to talk about before we wrap up? I'd just like to, once again, thanks everybody who took the time and effort to answer the questions as well as to put in their thoughts. Really appreciate being able to play games through in a community-driven effort and get a lot of enjoyment and feedback out of it. It's not something that... I should say I'm three years in. I'm I'm still amazed by the amount of feedback and the fact that people are willing to invest time and try this stuff out with us. Uh, thank you again. Yeah, I'll just echo that and say thank you all for participation and for sticking with us so long, and thank you for listening. And we will catch you next month. <laughs> <laughs>